as everybody knows, uh, yesterday was Independence Day. Uh, it's a day that we as a nation celebrate the adoption of the Declaration of Independence. It's a, a document that declares our freedom from the control of England. That's what it was all about. It was America uh, coming to that place where we were now free from England's control. Uh, and so we were celebrating that. And one year later, interestingly enough, in 1777, John Adams, who was one of the founding fathers, he urged the nation to celebrate Independence Day by using fireworks. And as you know, that's a tradition uh, that we as a nation have held ever since. And uh, I was listening to the radio the other day while I was driving, and they happened to be talking to a company uh, that sells fireworks in our area. And because of our current situation in the pandemic, uh, a lot of, of fireworks uh, were canceled citywide. But he said that their sales had gone up 600% because people were buying them and obviously were going to be using them in their backyards and et cetera. Uh, but they were not prepared for that. They never thought that they would have such a vast increase. But many people obviously wanted to continue to celebrate uh, our independence by the use of fireworks. And as I was uh, thinking about that throughout the week, a thought came to my heart about us celebrating our spiritual independence and what would be the fireworks that we would use. So I want to talk to you today about what I've turned in this message, true fireworks. My thoughts begin with the Gospel of John in chapter 8. So if you have your Bible, get there to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 8. I'm going to begin reading in verse 31. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean we will be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be truly free. So notice Jesus in our text now is the... Uh, declared to those that were following him that everyone who sins is a slave of sin, which means that those of us who sin, we come under now the control of sin. Sin becomes to, uh, begins to be our master. It dictates to us how we are to live our life. So let me begin on the very basic point over here, uh, where in Romans 3.23, it teaches us that for everyone has sinned. We all fall short 
of God's glorious standard. So the Bible makes it clear that every one of us has sinned. I have sinned. Uh, it's hard to believe, but Pastor Tom has sinned. And, and my wife, although she is a living angel, she has sinned. We have all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. There is no one who is sinless. So every one of us has sinned because we're all born with what the Bible calls this sinful nature, which means it's natural for us to sin. It's like breathing for us. The way we, we don't even think about breathing, it's also that way where we're born in, into sin. We're born under the control of sin. That's why you see little children at a very early age. The first word that they learn that nobody teaches them, it's part of their DNA, is the word no. Where they come under, under that denial, that refusal to yield to authority, the rebellion that's in every single one of our DNA. We're all born sinners. And because we're all born sinners, the Bible teaches us, as Jesus said, those of us who sin become a slave to sin. We live under its control. And Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Which means only Jesus Christ can set us free from sin's control. In the book of Romans, in chapter 7, beginning in verse 21, the Bible says, declares this. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do good, excuse me, when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power, listen, makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. So here the Apostle Paul is teaching us something about the, these two natures that are within the heart of every child of God. Everyone that has embraced Jesus Christ as their Savior, we are all in that place where we recognize, yes, we have the Spirit of the Lord living within us, but we still have this other component of our life called the sinful nature. And they are always at war with one another. We may love God and, and we want to do what's right, but we have this other part of us, this component in our life that wants us to disobey God, that wants what it wants, and that part is called the sinful nature. And Paul talked about this struggle that he has. I want to do what's right. I know what's right to do, but somehow, some way, I wind up doing what's wrong. We've all been there. We all understand what that struggle is all about. Living under the control of sin, where only Jesus Christ can truly set us free from that. Only Jesus Christ can truly liberate us from sin's power, from sin's control. 
That's why Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, then you'll be truly free. And in this text that we have in John, the Lord Jesus Christ laid out the pathway to this true freedom, if you will. You see, we celebrated yesterday our freedom from the control of England that occurred in 1776. And while that's wonderful and nice, uh, we may have some freedom in that regard. But until you embrace Jesus Christ as, as your Lord and your Savior, you're still under the power of sin. You're still not really free. You're still a slave of sin under its control. So Jesus outlines the pathway to what we call true freedom, not just this temporary freedom that we have in our country, which, by the way, I am thankful for, but nonetheless, that's a temporary freedom because true freedom is being free from the power of sin's control. Now, Jesus said this. This is the, uh, the first thought in, in obtaining this true freedom. Jesus said in verse 32, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Knowing the truth is the first step in this pathway towards true freedom. Now, the question becomes, what is the truth that we have to know? What was the truth that Jesus was talking about? If you remember, at one point when Jesus ultimately down the road was arrested and he stood before Pilate, Jesus had said, everyone who is on the side of truth listens to me. And Pilate's reply to that was, well, what is truth? In other words, we, uh, even what was evident then is still evident today. Everybody has their different version of what truth is. People have their idea of, well, this is true, or that is true. And the, the, the question becomes, well, what was the Lord talking about when he's saying, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free? I think the answer lies in John chapter 14, verse 6, where Jesus said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus declared publicly for all to hear, it was recorded in God's word for all eternity where Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the one that is real. I am the one that is genuine. And I am the only pathway to the Father in heaven. There is no other pathway to the Father in heaven. He and he alone is the path to the Father. Religion is not the truth. Listen to me. Religion is not the truth. It doesn't matter what religion you are a part of. You can say, well, I'm a Pentecostal. Well, no, I'm part of a, uh, the Baptist, or I'm a Buddhist, or I'm, a, I'm this. There is no religion that is the truth. There's only the truth that is found in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the truth, you see. Religion is not the truth. It's not the pathway to the Father. Nor is personal morality the truth. It's not the pathway to the Father. There are a lot of people who feel, well, if I just live a good life, if I'm just a, a good person and do things that are right, then I, I can get to heaven and I'll be okay. No, that's not the truth. 
The truth is, Jesus laid it clearly. There is no other way to the Father except through him. He and he alone is the truth. And what he's talking about, knowing the truth, it, it, he's talking about having a, a relationship with him. Knowing the truth, knowing Jesus Christ is a lot more than just some mental understanding about who Jesus was. Knowing the truth is not, well, I know Jesus uh, was born uh, in a manger, and I know that there were shepherds that came from the field, and I know that he was the Son of God, and I know that he died on the cross. Uh, in three days he rose from the dead. I know that. Well, listen, the devil knows that too. See, knowing the truth is far more than just having some mental understanding about the history of our Lord and Savior. Knowing the truth means I'm in relationship with him. Believing in Jesus Christ and embracing him as your Lord and your Savior. Knowing the truth means becoming a disciple a follower of Jesus Christ. So that's the first step in this pathway to knowing the truth that sets us free. The second step is remaining faithful to the truth. Notice in verse 31, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciple if you remain faithful to my teachings. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching. So now, what Jesus laid out here is saying, okay, you got to first base. You made the first step. You've embraced me as your Lord and Savior. Wonderful. But now here's the thing that you need to know. In order to be set free, to be truly free, you have to remain faithful to my teaching. You have to remain faithful to the word of the Lord. You have to remain faithful. What does all that mean? Here's the simple breakdown. Your life has to be structured around the word of God and walking in obedience to what God has directed you and I, how you and I are to live. You cannot profess to be a Christian and then not have your life lined up with the Word. That's a good place for everybody to say amen. But I get, I, it's like an echo in here. I can't hear one amen. You have to pray for the, the, the worship team. Once they get off the platform, they just fall asleep on me here. There are a lot of people who call themselves Christians who have even said, well, I, I embrace Jesus Christ as my Savior. And even one day, I was water baptized and all that. And I'm a member of a church. And all those things are nice. But listen, that's not remaining true to the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can profess to be a Christian, but if you're living with somebody that you're not married to, hello, that's breaking God's word. Therefore, your life is not lined up with the word of God. You're not remaining faithful. To God's teaching. Jesus talked about, I want my disciples to love their enemy. If we're going around, and a lot of people are going around these days uh, and spewing out all kind of hateful words against their neighbor, well, that's not the teaching of Jesus Christ. And you can't call yourself a disciple of Christ and not line up your life to what to his teachings. Jesus said, the only way you can be truly free is you have to remain faithful to my teaching. You have to make sure that your life lines up with my word, that that which I have taught you. 
That's what makes you my disciple, my follower. Calling yourself Christian in and of itself does not make you a follower of Jesus Christ. Remaining faithful to the truth means never wavering. It means never turning away from following the Lord and his word because it becomes unpopular. We live in a day and age where more than ever before, there's a spirit of anger in the air. Our, our nation is being consumed by this spirit of anger. It is not the spirit of the Lord. It is not, and when I tell you to say the spirit of the Lord, I'm talking about the heart of Jesus Christ. He taught we need, we need to love one another, not hate one another. The Lord must be very grieved with some of the conduct of his children, those who profess to be followers of his ways. And yet in this day and age, instead of remaining faithful to the truth, to his word, of following the popular trend of what's going on around us, may God help us to remain faithful to the truth because here's a very important point. When we lose our faithfulness to the truth, when we stop being faithful to lining up our life with God's word, we automatically default to becoming a slave of sin again. See, we love to sing about the fact that Jesus set me free. Thank God Jesus set me free. Uh, I, the power of the blood of Jesus Christ set me free. That's what communion helps us remember, the incredible sacrifice uh, of the, uh, the Son of God on the cross of Calvary to purchase our, our freedom so that we can now belong to him. And that's all wonderful and right and good. But, when we make that decision to say, I don't care what the Bible says. This is the way I want to live my life. When we make a decision that we reject the teachings of Christ to follow our own way, we automatically default to becoming a slave to sin again. That's why Jesus said, to be truly free, you have to remain faithful to the truth. Lastly, true freedom means that the power of sin has been broken in my life. Now, let me make sure you understand what I'm talking about. That doesn't mean that you never sin ever again. We all or have a weakness uh, in us, inherent in us, and there are times in a moment of weakness that we falter and we fail. That's not what we're talking about when not remaining faithful. Remaining faithful is when we make a conscious decision to say, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go my own way. I'm not going to follow God's word. And we make a conscious decision to do something that we know in our heart is contrary to God's word, but we don't care. Now, being truly free, where the power of sin is broken, and we begin to structure our life around God's word, and day by day, we're doing our best with the help of the Holy Spirit to walk a life of obedience in God's word. 
that should produce a celebration of what I have termed true fireworks. The title of this message is True Fireworks. See, true fireworks to me are thanksgiving and praise. That's what true fireworks are. Now, if you're like me, uh, you like to go to bed on a good time so that you can get a good night's sleep. And I hope you're like me. Uh, last night, I typically go to bed somewhere around 10. And of course, in my neighborhood, as in most neighborhoods, there are fireworks going off. And you're hearing boom, and you're hearing all kind of stuff going around as people are celebrating. And uh, my wife is a lover of fireworks. In fact, we were watching a little bit of television, and, and she kind of positioned herself so that she can watch the television and then watch through the window because there was someone a little bit down the road that was doing fireworks in the air. And she loves to see them all. Oh, she's looking at that. And then she looked at TV, and she's looking at that. You need to pray for my wife. She needs help. Anyway, these are the two things about physical fireworks. They are seen and they are heard. And as I was thinking about that, I said, God, shouldn't true fireworks be seen and heard? In other words, shouldn't our thanksgiving and praise be to the measure that it's seen and that it's heard? Now, we don't worship and praise the Lord to be seen by men. Let me make that clear. That, that is sinful because that, then it's not about God. It's all about you getting recognition. But having said that, our thanksgiving and praise should be seen and heard by men. And what I mean by that is this. People ought, around us ought to know that we are truly free and, and it should be demonstrated by our true fireworks. In other words, if I am truly free, if God has broken the power of sin in my life and I have structured my life with the help of the Holy Spirit in, in obedience to God's word, then a natural byproduct of that ought to be thanksgiving and praise in my life. And it should be to the measure that it should be seen and heard. Now, I know in this day and age, because we're still on uh, live, streaming live and we're not having services where we're all here, I can't see you at home uh, worshiping and praising the Lord. I understand that. But how about your family members? Some of us like to watch the service in the privacy of our room because we have unsafe family members and we don't want them to, to possibly ridicule us. We don't want them to think about, oh, you know, look at that holy roller, look at that one, he's a little bit fanatical. And so we rather worship in the privacy of the room. And I would submit to you that we need to allow true fireworks to come as a result of being truly free. We should be unashamedly thanking God. We should be unashamedly praising the Lord Jesus Christ. And not just on a Sunday. You see, July the 4th fireworks, uh, it's all for, uh, for this day that happened yesterday. But I guarantee you, there are going to be some people that have some left over. And today, there are going to still be some fireworks. 
But then eventually it will die out. But as children of God who have been truly set free, who are remaining faithful to God's word, every day should be a day of true fireworks. Every day should be a day where you and I are unashamedly thanking God and praising God. And we're not concerned about who in our family are going to hear. We're not concerned about, well, if I'm in my car uh, and I got the windows down, I got them up because, you know, if I got them down, people might hear me praising God. And I don't want people to think that I'm a little bit crazy. I think it's time that we allow the Spirit of the Lord to move in such a powerful way. I find it fascinating that when the Spirit of God was poured out at Pentecost, I find it fascinating that the first thing the Holy Spirit did was to take them out into the street. And there, out in the street, they were praising God publicly. I find it fascinating that the, the tongues that they were baptized with, speaking in unknown languages to them, were actually in the languages of the people that were coming, that had come from out of town at that time during the festival. And so uh, uh, foreigners were hearing uh, they, these disciples praise God in their own language, and it created such an, an atmosphere that people wanted to know more about it. We want to know what this thing is all about. And it gave Peter the opportunity to preach the gospel. And that day, 5,000 souls were added to the kingdom. But it began with public praise. Yeah, I think we need to be asking God, to fill us with his Holy Spirit so that we might declare the praises of God, thanking him for what he has done for us. The 68th Psalm puts it this way in verse 19 and 20. Praise the Lord. Praise God our Savior. For each day he carries us in his arms. Our God is a God who saves. The sovereign Lord rescues us from death. Notice every day God carries us. Every day God takes us up in his arms and God shelters us and God provides for us and God loves us. Therefore, every day should be a day where you and I are, are letting these true fireworks go off, giving thanks and praise to the one who is worthy of our praise. It was another good place for you to say amen. Very weak, but that's okay. I'll take it. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, in Psalm 71, verse 23 says this. I will shout for joy and sing your praises, for you have ransomed me. Notice the psalmist was not ashamed to shout God's praises. He was not ashamed to let anyone who was around him know, my God is a God who has ransomed me. He paid an incredible price. The Father sent his only son. That's what communion symbolizes for us, the incredible price that was paid to ransom, to purchase us from sin so that sin would no longer control our life. The blood of his son the body that was broken on the cross of Calvary. The more we 
consider what God has done, the more we should allow the Spirit of the Lord within us to shout out our thanksgiving and our praise every single day. Now, I hinted at it earlier. I think that sometimes we get intimidated in this because we think that we're going to be the recipient of ridicule. And that may happen. Let's be truthful. That may happen. However, it's also been my experience that when our worship and praise, when our thanksgiving is genuine, when we are unashamedly magnifying the name that's above every other name, I have discovered that those who don't know the Lord are drawn to powerful praise. That those who are hungry for truth, when they see in us the genuine thanksgiving that flows from our hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ, when they see us unashamedly lifting up our hands and praising God, Something inside of them is triggered to say, they got something that I need. They got something that I want to know about. Why is it that they have such a relationship with God? What is it about that, that they're praising God the way they're doing? I think that people are really drawn to true fireworks. And I'm encouraging all of us today to turn our homes into a place where there's true fireworks are being displayed. Especially if you have unsaved loved ones. Let them hear your praise. Let them hear your thanksgiving. Don't bottle it up and put it in a little closet. Let them publicly hear your magnification of the incredible name, the name of Jesus Christ.